in God's Word. We'll be reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 19 through 23, and then from Luke chapter 2, verses 40 through 52. From Matthew chapter 2, starting verse 19. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. And then Luke chapter 2, starting verse 40. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now with his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that, that he spoke to them. Let's read the word. You may be seated. Sure, most of us in our lives have either had teenagers or lived with them or are about to live with them. And, and we all know what it's like when people, when people become teenagers. They, they go through this thing where they're growing up to be an adult and this weird thing happens where they start to think they know everything. But with Jesus, when he turns 13, he literally knows everything. Imagine what it would be like to be his parents. So we, we think about you know some of those those moments that that we've had had in life. I I look back at you know seeing my daughter grow and, and you know borrow an analogy my my wife shared with me. Sometimes with little children we we, we look at them and, and they're babies and we can't wait for them to begin to talk and to crawl and then when they're starting to crawl we can't wait for them to walk and then as soon as they start doing that we wish they were babies again. And imagine what it would be like to be Joseph and Mary. Imagine they had that moment there, and they're like, when will it be that we know that he's more than just our child? When will it be that we start to see him as the Messiah, the Son of God? And we start to see that a little bit today. Two weeks ago we were talking about Jesus being two years old and fleeing Egypt. Now he's 13. We won't hear from him again until he's 30. A lot of people want to know, well, what would have, what happened in all those years? I believe the, the Bible tells us on a need-to-know basis. If we need to know, it'll tell us about it. And then those other times, it's silent. We, we should accept it silence. That, that, well, what it has to say there is not, not, not for us. But I'd like you to think, especially as parents, the, the times between a husband and wife. And I know as, as husbands, sometimes we get a certain look from a wife when we screw up. Some of us more than others. Now, there's different looks your, your life will give you, your wife will give you. Uh, the one I get most often is that look that um, 
I'm lacking intelligence at that particular moment. It's usually involving a refrigerator where I'll go and I'll, I'll open the door and I'm asked to get something out and I'm like, I, it's not in here, I don't see it. And then she's not even looking in the refrigerator but has that x-ray vision that, that some ladies have. And she says it's behind the milk on the third shelf, two, two rows back. And See, I lack the ability to see beyond what's right in front of me. You know, I don't have that, that depth. And so sometimes I, I get that look, and I'm getting that look right now. <laughs> but there was another day. I, I think there was only one time I, I'd gotten what, what we call the, uh, the death stare look. Have you ever gotten that look? Yeah, hopefully we don't get that too often. But there was a day where, where I got that look. My daughter, Corinna, had been more than a year old. We, we were traveling to visit my grandmother who had just had surgery um, at uh, COD and, uh, or CDH. And so, so we're over there getting ready to go in. We went into the hospital. We're coming out and um, it was, uh, we, we were in the minivan. We had just parked and my, my wife was driving and I was in the passenger seat. And she gets out, locks her door and goes to get my daughter out of the, out of the sliding door, out of the back door. And she tossed me the keys and she's like, well, make sure you lock, lock the doors. Well, in the process of getting out of the van and locking the doors, I dropped the keys in the seat before my daughter gets out of the van. So my daughter, when one years old, is locked in the minivan in the parking lot, and my wife's giving me that look like, what did you just do? <laughs> it was not a good day for me. <laughs> and so, of course, I go and I, I try to find help, and I find, I find security who's able to call Locksmith, and Locksmith kind of pulls me to the side and says, don't worry, we all have those days. It's going to be all right. <laughs> And so, of course, he unlocks the door, we get my daughter out, and my wife grabs her and gives her this great big hug. And I don't think my daughter remembers that day um, at, at all, but I, I will always remember that day, the day I got the death stare. Like, oh. We all mess up sometimes, don't we? Let's think about Joseph and Mary. What must have been going through their minds as, as they go through this? Realize that they're traveling, they travel for the Passover, the big religious festival every year that they would travel to. You know, the only thing we have close to it is, is Easter. But, it, you know, we'll have our families travel here on, on, on Easter, and in our church will be full. But imagine that you had to travel to a certain city. Imagine we had to travel to, like, Chicago, and everybody in the country traveled there. That is what the Passover was. The entire nation went to Jerusalem. And so your families would have been there, and you would have traveled in, in large groups in these caravans. They didn't yet have those fun airplanes or, or highways or anything like that going on. And so Joseph and Mary, assuming Jesus is playing with his cousins, maybe him and John the Baptist are playing a game of hide-and-seek or something, but we don't really know. But they go on, and they, they travel, and all of a sudden they realize, where's Jesus? Where's our son? Where's the Son of God? You know, there, there's times, and I'm, I'm sure many of us have, I've had moments similar to the one I had or, or the one Joseph and Mary here are having. But they literally lose God for a minute. And so they go and they start searching for him. And they, they go back and they search their family. And then they go to Jerusalem and ultimately they go to the temple. And that's where they will find him. And he says some things. And we'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment. What, what exactly Jesus is getting at here with, with his earthly parents. But I want you to think about for a moment what it would have been like to be Joseph. What have we read in Scripture so far about Joseph? First, he's engaged to Mary, and he's told by an angel, do not be afraid to take her as your wife, for what is conceived in her is of God, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
And then you travel, you travel along, and you're made to go because of the census. You're made to go to Bethlehem. And then you're woken by an angel in a dream who says, Herod is about to kill your son. Get up and go to Egypt. And then you're in Egypt, and, and you, you hear word that Herod is dead, so you return back. But once again, God sends an angel in a dream to Joseph and says, Do not return to Jerusalem, for Herod's son, Archelaus, is reigning. And so he returns to Nazareth. This, this great noble town, right? This town that Joseph and Mary would have loved to go back to their hometown. Not really. This is the town where they would have left and they, there would have been a great scandal. Joseph and Mary are pregnant. They're not even married. And now they're skipping town. Oh, look, they've come back and Jesus is much older now. And they probably would have had other sons and daughters. There would have been a great scandal there. There would have been that gossip. They would have, would have had others look down upon them. They would not have really been welcome. There's going to be times in your life, and I'm sure you've, you've had those times, myself included, where, where you go to places and you know you're not really welcome. You have that season in life where, where you're having to endure a place where, where you, don't, you don't feel welcome there. I, I want to encourage you, if you have that, Joseph and Mary had that. And I'm sure Jesus felt that as a young child, that his parents weren't really welcome in Nazareth. But there's going to be those times in our life where we have those moments, and God is using us in those moments to either proclaim his light in that place or to prepare us for something else he has down the road. Do, do not be angry with God when you're enduring those moments. You're going to go through hard seasons of life. But God will bring his name glory through it. He will, he will use you. He will train you up. He will equip you for, for future things if, if you're willing to, to allow him to guide you in that. But as we continue thinking about Joseph, every time... You know, we, we hear about him, it's his son's life is in danger. Imagine having someone seeking to kill your child, actively seeking to destroy your son or your daughter. Could you imagine that? So we joke about, and you know, I'll joke about with this passage that they lost the Son of God. They they lost God. But think of what was really going through Joseph's mind. Is my son dead? Where is he? Think about that. And so when they go and find him, the, the scripture tells us that Jesus here is, is 12 years old. But I want to set clear, um, there, there's, there's something we have to really understand to grasp what's really going on here. In the Jewish culture, when you were born, how old are you? Thank you, guys. You're not zero like you are in our culture. You are one. We count years from the, when it's the anniversary of your birth, then you are considered to be one year old, and you're going into the second year of your life. In the Jewish culture, you are one the moment you are born, and when you go into the second year, then they consider you two. So while in our English reading, we see Jesus as 12, he's in the Jewish mindset, he's 13. And that is very important. Why? Because in the Jewish culture, when you turn 13, you are no longer a boy, but you are a man. So when they come and say, Jesus, why have you done this? Why did you treat us this way? And Jesus said, why have you been looking for me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? That I would be in my father's house? What do we see instantly when, when Jesus is legally a man in his culture? He is about God's will, about God's work. You see, Jesus' mindset, he's ready to begin the ministry now. He's not looking to wait till he's 30. And it says they, they marveled at everything he said, all the questions that he had, and all the answers that he gave. 
But ultimately, it says that, that Jesus was willing to be submissive to them. So I would ask ourselves a question today, especially the, the adults here. Are we willing to be all about God's business, about doing the Father's will? Because that is always what Jesus is about. You, you're not going to open up uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read about a vacation Jesus took. You're not going to read about the retirement package he was saving up for. He is about the Father's will. God, God has called him to do a great ministry, a great work, far, far greater than anything we can do individually. He was sent to the earth to die for our sins, to go to that cross, to save us. And he does it willingly. There's going to be times where God asks you to make a sacrifice, ones that are hard, whether physically, financially, whether it's to get into ministry, to leave your job, whatever it may be. He's going to ask you to, to sacrifice. And we were either going to go one way or the other. We were going to be obedient or disobedient. But I ask you, when we, we come every Sunday into God's house to worship Him, are we being about God's business or our own? I perfectly understand Joseph and Mary's response. They're not seeing Jesus as the man. They're seeing Jesus as a child and saying, you know, wh why didn't you tell us? You know, why, why would you do this? Why, why would you scare us like this? Jesus is reminding them that he's not their little boy anymore. A day comes where our children are not our little kids anymore. And they have to choose their own path. Jesus rightly chooses to follow God. I pray all our children will do that. I pray all of you are doing that. But we must be about our Father's business. I talked last week about the vision. That there's many times where we have to get uncomfortable. And we, we are going to have to get out in this community and let them know of the love of God. That's not easy. If I were to ask you today to go out and invite two people to church next week, would you do it? Would you say, that's too hard. I don't like sharing the gospel. Well, guess what, Christian? You're commanded to share the gospel. I'll ask you, do you love Jesus? Amen. And you will all say yes. And then I'll read you from John 14 where Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. You are commanded to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching all that Christ has commanded. I ask you again, are we going to be about the Father's business or our own? Are we going to put God's will far above our own? I know in church life it, it often becomes, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about decisions and really what we're talking about is programs or how things make us feel. If you use music, for example, we sing great music here. Music that, that is honoring and, and, and bringing praise and worship to God. And in the past many times, we have sung hymns, and I, I love hymns. I love the contemporary music as well. I want them both. But we don't have an, a piano player right now and an organ player. And that, that's just the nature of the fact. And we have some that have visited and, and basically tell me they won't be back because we don't play just hymns. What are they saying? They are saying worship is about me and how it makes me feel. That is what they're saying. It says it doesn't matter about God. I would ask us to examine our hearts and our lives. Is there anything in our lives where it's about me and how it makes me feel? I'm not willing to give this to God or give it over to God or give it up for God. Or I'm not willing to do this for you, God, because it's not easy. Uh, our, our brother uh, Steve out in Mendota, he told me, you know, Pastor Dylan, God doesn't call wimps. So don't expect when God calls you to do something for it to be easy. 
It's not going to be easy. Praise God when it is, but I've yet to, to find a real meaningful moment in life where it's easy. You know, when, when I first started preaching, I thought preaching was hard. Then I realized preaching is easy. Sitting with someone in a hospital dying, that's hard. Consoling a family as they've just buried someone, that's hard. Church discipline, that's really hard. You'll find what you once think is hard is not so hard when you've got God with you. God will call you deeper and deeper to relationship with Him. There's a famous uh, song by Crash and Crowns that has a line in it that talks about having deep water faith but being in the shallow end. And that's how I think many of us are. We, we have that faith that, uh, that, that is deep. When I ask you about scriptures, you know your scriptures. You know what you're supposed to do. But we never get out of that shallow end. We never get out of that, that, that safety net, that comfort zone. And that's what I would encourage us all, all to do this day and every day. This church is going to grow. Many of you tell me you want to see this church grow, both spiritually and in numbers. And I agree with you. But ultimately, we know this church is going to grow by us all doing God's will. That is how it will grow. You know, we showed the, the VBS promo. I'm looking forward to that. And I know we look around, we don't have many kids here now. But we will. Because we will be faithful, and God is always faithful. Amen? One of the absolute things I, I love to hear most from, from people is their testimony story. To, to hear about that moment when God got a hold of their lives and changed them forever. Where they were born again, as we say. There's one thing in those stories that it's always the same. And that is, they'll, they'll, they'll usually end it or start out with, you know, there's one day where I wasn't living right, and then I found what? Found Jesus. Did you really find Jesus? Jesus is not lost, you are. Jesus found you. There was two people in the Bible who could say they found Jesus. It was Joseph and Mary. Where did they find him? They found him in God's temple. But I ask us to examine our lives. Are we living close to Jesus? If not, why? Where are we looking for him? Are we looking in scriptures to find Jesus? Are we looking in church? Are we looking on the internet? Don't expect to find Jesus on the internet. You're not going to find him at your casinos or the bars. You're going to find Jesus where you'd expect to find Jesus. And he'll find you where he'll expect to find you. I encourage you to this year that, that to have our walk be closer with God more than ever. I asked you last week to pray, and I'll ask those that weren't here and those that were to continue to pray on how God's going to use you, how, what your part in this vision will be. We each play a part. We absolutely do. But in that, we, we have to know what God's will is for our life. And I hear many people say, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't hear God speaking. And we are not in the days, you know, after Malachi, when God was silent for 400 years. He has given us his holy word, the Bible. He is not silent. He tells you what is good. He tells you to walk humbly with him. To seek mercy. Tells us to love our neighbors. Who here even knows any of our neighbors' names? Outside of Elaine, I know she lives on the streets. That's Jean. 
Do we know our neighbors? We should. If we're living gospel-centered lives, we should be sharing the gospel. Let's have an honest conversation right now. Who here finds it hard to share the gospel with somebody they don't know? There's one person. Okay, we're being a little more honest now. I was going to say, if there's only one person, let's go out right now. How they react. How they react. You share the gospel, and you pray that they will react in a, a godly way where God's drawing them in. But ultimately, if they don't react that way, that is not your fault, Ross. You are to be obedient and honest. And I'm going to be working with leadership in ways that we can help train you and equip you for you to share the gospel, for you to invite people to church, to make it as easy as possible on you. I know how difficult those conversations can be. But I know how fruitful they can be in people's lives. Most of us are here because someone had the courage to invite us to church or to share the gospel with us. And we came to church and we, we sat through sermon after sermon hearing the gospel until it penetrated our very hearts. Paul says, how, how will they ever believe if they do not hear? And how will they hear if, we do not, if no one is sent? We are going to have to be willingly to, to go out in this community to share the gospel with them. Yes, we will do, we'll do fun things. We'll do the events, the year block parties, the things that, that encourage people to come and visit us. But at some point, we have to go to them. So I'm going to encourage you to continue to be in prayer on how you can be about God's kingdom. Jesus was to be in the temple. Share with the men this morning who brought up Malachi. Malachi says Jesus was, was to go to the temple and to purify it. And we see that desire even from a young age. We see when he cleanses the temple that he has this passion to see God's temple be a place of prayer. What I desire for our church is that we are a place of prayer where people can come and they can pray. That's why we have two prayer meetings a week. If we need to have more, we'll have more. We need to be about prayer. All great movements of God have begun with prayer. I know your heart. You want to see this this church be more than it is. And I believe that is a God-given desire because God wants to see it more than it is. But we have to be willing to, to humble ourselves and seek after God. So that is what I am asking of you today. Now if there's anyone here, you know, I try to know where everybody's at spiritually, but if there's anyone here who does not know, does not know Christ, you, you cannot share with me a testimony of that day when when you experience Jesus Christ, where you say, I found Jesus. Can you think of that day when Jesus found you? I pray you can. But if you have not, when the music plays, that, that's when it will be time to come down. That's when it's time to get on, the, on your knees. And the altar is not just for those who, who are confessing Lord, Jesus as Lord for the very first time. If, if there's anything in your life you need to confess to the Lord, you do so. You don't need to confess it to me. You confess it to Jesus. You get right with him. But I am not your judge. Jesus is. I'm not your savior. He is. So I encourage you to come down and, and get right with God. When we all get right with God, we, are, we as a church are, are one people. We will see God move heaven and earth. I absolutely believe, I shared a little bit last week, I absolutely believe a day will come where this church not just is training a few but we are sending out as many people as seminaries do. Well, we are training people, showing them how to minister in a real community, not just in a 
pretend box, you know, at a school of what it might be like to share the gospel, but actually being able to go and walk with people and, and show them what it is to live in poverty, show them what it is to witness to people in poverty. They will come and we'll send out missionaries, or we will train each other up. I'm looking forward to that day, but that day is not going to take place overnight. We have to look at ourselves and say, do we really want that? Be honest with ourselves. Let us have that discussion. Do we want to see this church grow? Amen. You all with a doubt will say yes and amen. Are you willing to do the work amen. that will cause the church to grow? Because that is usually the rub. Every church wants to grow. But most of them don't want to change because that's not comfortable. Most of them don't want to get out of that comfort zone and, and actually be about bringing other people in, about discipling them. It's the reality. My wife and I can't lead every class. I need others to step up. I'm not trying to disparage our Sunday school teachers. I know, I know how hard you work each and every Sunday. A day will come when these men and women studies, we're going to hand them off to someone else. Because God has other work for us to, to, to work in the body, to, to train up and equip others. I challenge the ladies. I was very proud when the women's study started. There were, what was it, 16, 17 ladies that showed up? Might Between be more. the two classes. Between the two classes. Friday, not so much. I know it's cold. But we have to be committed. Men, I can't even brag on us. We got three. Our grand total is four. Men, step up. We have to be willing to step up and be, be the leaders in the church. We have a few good men who are leading. The rest are sitting on their hands. That can't continue if you want to grow. I can help you grow spiritually, those that are here. But ultimately, you have to be willing to get out of that comfort zone. So that's, that's been my challenge to us this year. As we we're going through the, the gospel, we're going to go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all together, seamlessly together, and we're going to look at how Jesus trained his disciples, what he asked them to do, what is expected of all of us, not just you, me as well, all those who call in the name of Christ. And we'll see why in the gospels there were so many that called themselves disciples, so many that followed. There were times where Jesus, without a building, had five to 6,000 people following him. That's just the men. That doesn't count the women and children. But then he would give a hard-hitting sermon that sent them all away. Why? Because Jesus is not easy to follow. I don't want you to pretend it's easy. If it was easy, this church would be packed every Sunday. It's not. And I'm glad it's not easy. Because the, the cost of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is worth your everything. And too many want to come to church and give their nothing. They want to give their leftovers. They want to treat Jesus as he's some genie in the bottle. Okay, come to church so I can feel good. Church is never made, supposed to make you feel good. I'm not your therapist. I preach God's word, and God's word at times will not make you feel very good. If God's word always makes you feel good, whoever you're listening to is not preaching the whole word of God. Do you think yourself a good person? <coughs> Read God's word. He says you are evil. I know I am a sinner just like you. I know what God's word says. It's, it's not about being comfortable. It's about doing God's will. 
Jesus is coming soon. Do you understand that? Do you? If you understand that, you'll understand how important it is that, that we get to work. We get to do what God has given us to do. So when that day comes, he will say to all of us, well done, good and faithful servants. And sad when we talk about a sister possibly going home. But ultimately, we're all going to go home. What will we have to offer Jesus? You can't offer him your house. You can't offer him your checkbook. You don't get to take that with you. What you get offered Jesus is you and how you've lived your life for him. I want you to think about how you've lived your life up to this point. Is the life that you lived worthy to give to Jesus? Some of us should absolutely say yes. And some of us need to have a heart-to-heart -heart with God about it. Because we're not quite there. I pray by the end of this year we will all be there. And we'll be on fire for the Lord. We'll be up and down. We'll be praising. We won't be worried about what other people think when we sing. We'll be worshiping God. Worshippers don't worry about what other people think. We're focused on Him. We won't worry about what other people think when we're out serving in this community. We won't be bothered by how other churches do things. We'll focus on how God has given us to do things. We'll focus on the, the men and women God is having us to train up. There may be missionaries sitting here right now and they just don't know it yet. Maybe you're meant to go. That's not easy to think about. We like to stay. When we get a couple, we like our church, we like our pews. I guarantee you, every single week this year, we'll all be sitting in the same seat, except for that one week you decide to change it to make me wrong. But we're, we're creatures of habit. We get comfortable. I'm asking you to let God make you uncomfortable. Allow God to mold you and change you. Because ultimately, when you do that, God will use you. And any of the sacrifice that, that you've had to make, you, you will find that in the long run, it's almost no sacrifice at all. Let, let us think about how we're living our lives. And if our lives right now are a worthy sacrifice to the King of all glory, let us pray. Our Father, Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks and honor and glory and praise, Lord, for everything you've given us. May my life, may our lives... Be, be worthy for you, Lord God. May we be able to offer you our lives as a, a sacrifice, a, a drink offering poured out onto your altar, Lord God. And those moments in life where we fail, where we sin, Lord, may we come down, may we confess it to you right then immediately. Use us, Lord God. Show us how, how you would how you'd grow us first spiritually, Lord, and then numerically. Show us how we could reach this community, Lord. Show us what individually each and every part we have to play is. How we each have our own ministry to reach our families, to reach our friends, our neighbors. And how we can do that all for your glory. Your holy name, Jesus. Amen.